Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Mary's salvation, everyone. Mary's salvation. And I'm, if you're first time here, you're probably going, what the heck is that? Well, we believe in different things here. We don't like to say Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That would be weird, huh? Today, we're going to say Merry Christmas. Da-da. Everybody say Merry Christmas. Now, this morning, you are going to thank God that you chose to get up this morning and get to church because this is going to be a miracle service for everybody in here. The reason why? Because we're going to look at Mary and the Christmas that we celebrate and how it has everything to do with us. And we're going to look at it with a different view, and that is we're going to look at what the Word of God shows us. And we're going to allow that Word, the pictures, the types that God has for us Not just to read a story, a fable, something that's in the Bible, but to literally pay attention to the teaching of Christmas, Mary's Christmas, which we're going to have a different view again of Christmas. We looked at last Sunday, Mary's salvation, and we looked at how important it is to see that this event is about lives being saved. And today, we're going to look at Mary Christmas and how Mary received a miracle and why you are going to receive a miracle as well. And that's what's so beautiful about this. You know, the problem with the church, and I'm talking about church in general at large, is is that there's so many things we believe in that aren't even scriptural. But we think they're in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? And I like to do things that reveal that because many times, and I've done this all through the years of of our church, I've, I've brought forth information to the people in the congregation, and I said, where is this in the Bible? You guys know it's in the Bible, right? And everybody's going, yeah, this is scriptural. And then I'd say, well, where's it at? And no one could tell me. And I'd go, you know why? It's not in the Bible. And everybody's like freaking out because everything within them is saying, no, this is in the Bible. I know it's in the Bible. I mean, they sell it at Walmart. It's got to be in the Bible. And this is the issue is there's so many things we believe that aren't even in the Bible. And what I like to do is I like to bring this out so that we can clarify to ourselves what is truth. Because I know for a fact, all of us have something in us that is not necessarily biblical, but we believe it to be true. Or we align it with our beliefs in God and his word. But what we have to do is like the Proverbs teaches us, we have to men to the truth, not the truth, men to us. Do you understand that? The word of God is our standard, and we're to mold ourselves to the standard of truth, not that truth mold itself to me or you. I want you to see a picture. 
I think I'd post a picture. Isn't that beautiful? Who are those three? Three wise men, right? Right? Y'all freaking out already. Like, oh, no, I don't even want to say that. I might be wrong. <laughs> Chill. It's all good. There's no right or wrong. There's truth, right? Right? It's, it's, it's a thing. You got to just realize there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with believing something that's not true and fixing that truth. The wrong is believing something that's not true and continue to believe it. Now, what's not true about that picture right there? They weren't there. What else? There's not enough of them. Not enough of them. See, the, the thing is, there's a, being in our church, first and foremost, y'all are already saying, I'm not saying anything that that's correct. The thing is this. First of all, three wise men, not an issue. It could have been three. It could have been more. There's, the thing is, is we are focusing on, on three types of gifts. Now, it doesn't matter if you say there's just three because it doesn't matter. We don't have proof at all if it was three or more than three. Correct? Okay, so that's not the issue. What's the issue of the picture? Is it them and the stable? Is that the issue? That is the issue. And you know what's interesting is, is I'm sure it's in your house right now. Anybody have any of these in their house? And the three wise men are hanging out right there with, with the little drummer boy and the donkeys and everything, right? How many got the little drummer boy there? All right, not, that's not in there. Um, in my house growing up, I told you how sometimes it was sort of weird. My mom made sure that she put the little drummer boy there because it was my favorite Christmas cartoon, the little drummer boy. I love the little drummer boy. I don't even know if they put the little drummer boy on anymore. Do they? The story, everything about it. See, as far as I'm concerned, that's the Bible. But I can't find anywhere scripture, but I'm still going to believe. Now, see, what the Bible shows us in Matthew is that when the Magi, these wise men came, and if you look at history and research it as far as where did these guys come from in the first place, they came from Balaam back in the Old Testament. He was the non-Jew prophet of God, which is very interesting because everybody assumed it was just about Israel and the Jews. But it wasn't. It was anybody that was going to connect with God. And there are different, there's Babylonian kings that believed in God. And God used them. Isn't that interesting? But we must allow the word of God to reveal its truth to us instead of believing specific things that aren't true, that rob us of success. Well, Matthew clarifies it very clearly that they were led by the star, which is interesting that the star was moving. So our assumption is it's that big old beautiful star sitting up there. But y'all know if you keep walking, that star's going to keep going. Right? I don't care what star you look at. You can go hundreds of miles and that star is still probably still right there. So it isn't going to lead you of looking at a star. But this star literally was moving. And it was helping them find the way. Isn't that interesting? They were so excited about that because they were looking for truth. The truth was is they knew through the prophecies. These guys aren't Jews. 
through the word of God, they knew that a savior was, go it was going to be born, that the king of kings was going to be born. So these guys are searching for him. Interesting that they had God's word. They were searching for him, but they still had to find him and get help from, they went to who? They went to Herod and said, where's the king? So it's, it's, it's something that they had the biblical information, but they didn't really have a divine guidance. And that was interesting because if you follow the story, what you see is finally they get led to the house where the young child, not neos, which is the Greek word for infant baby, just born, but it changes the word to young child. So the child was between one and two years old, Jesus. So that's when they show up is, is he's, he's, you know, a little toddler. They come in there, they see him, and the Bible says they drop their, their knees and start worshiping. They get so impacted by the presence of a toddler. Pretty interesting, huh? See, what was happening is that word of God was becoming revealed to them in the flesh. In the flesh. And that picture impacted them so much that they dropped their knees, worshiped God, and they opened up their treasures, the Bible said. They got all their treasures. So we're not talking about a few little trinkets. They literally started piling everything up on Jesus. And they established three different types of gifts that were presented to them. But we're not talking about, okay, you got a bar of frankincense over there, get that. Myrrh, I got a bag over there. Move, move the gold and everything out of the way. Here, get the bag. No, they literally dumped everything they had at his feet. So that picture is incorrect. But many of us for years, even maybe today, you realize, wow, I didn't even know that. But see, I think that's a big deal. You might think, oh, whatever, three minutes, who cares? Okay, so we blow it away. He, was in, he wasn't at the manger. But you, you gotta understand something. The story that you believe is in the Bible. It is a big deal. And it does mean something. And if we can just push it aside and say, oh, whatever, then can't we do it with other scripture? Can we do it with other areas of God's word? Make it irrelevant? Make it as if it's no big deal? See, that's the problem. That's what I want us to understand. Yes, it is a big deal because we're going to talk about a Christmas story. Away in the manger. No room for his head. The little Lord Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, again, a lie, a lie, a lie. Twisted by religion. No room at the inn. Because there was no room at the end, not because he was poor. And religion all of a sudden establishes Jesus didn't have the money to get a hotel room. That's why he couldn't be there. A lie again. Poor, poor Mary and Joseph. And it's ridiculous, but what other things that we believe aren't true? Whatever things are we carrying in our lives? Because I'm going to tell you right now. If you're believing something that that's true, that means you're blaming something that's not true. Or you're expecting something that's not true. Or you think something that's not true. And you're offering your life on this and it's affecting you. And then we're, ultimately we get to blame God. 
because it's Bible and it equates to God. So what we have to do is we have to go through this, recognize the scripture, understand it, and follow through with what God's wanting to do. Okay, you can take that religious picture off now. So Mary, we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 26. This is about Mary who delivered a miracle. And what I believe from the Spirit of God speaking to my heart for this message today is God's wanting us to conceive, to carry, and deliver a miracle. I believe with all my heart. So I believe that you're here this morning hoping, wishing that what I'm saying is true. So the only way that I can back it up is what does God's word say? Because it's time for you to realize that God wants to do miracles in your life as well. You know why? Because it does nothing but testify about how good he is. Testify about the greatness of God. Testify that he's alive, that he does care. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, in the sixth month, that statement's tied to Elizabeth who brought forth John the Baptist. Okay? Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, an angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, let's process what we just read. I want you to do what I learned to do years ago. I'm going to tell you. Truth, truth of God's word has transformed my life. But the ability for that truth to do it was for me to receive it. The receiving of that truth was tied to my place of how I read and heard this Bible. It changed from a religious, I don't get it, super spiritual book to love letters written specifically to me. And that's what I've been doing for years, years. I put my name in there all the time. I put myself in there all the time. Good or bad, I put my life in that truth because it is a living word. And there are times when I'll put myself in a negative, just figure out how do you get out of this negative? How did they see? How did they feel? What were their experiences? Because many times you're out there fighting and battling and pressures and circumstances, situations, and you're being overwhelmed, and you literally think, no one's had this before. This is the worst of the worst. But that's not true. And so I've got myself in a place where I allow myself to become a part of this thing. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to get involved in this so that you see that this is this is the answers to your life today. These are where the miracles lie that are waiting to be birthed in you. These are. They're right here. It's like having a pack of seeds laying on your table and you're looking at all the beautiful pictures. The point is, is 
you can have all these seeds and all the pictures, but until you plant the seed, you can never have. Never. And according to my Bible, and I know it's your Bible as well, everything tied to your success and, and manifestation of your faith is seed being planted. Completely seed being planted. And so we've got to allow this seed, the truth of this seed, to be planted in our hearts. First and foremost, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of the Word of God. Gabriel sent by God, an angel sent by God, city of Galilee, Nazareth, to the virgin's house. What are you seeing there? What are you seeing there when you read that? Because what's happening is we're reading it, and that doesn't mean nothing to me. Because we're just getting through this and then saying, okay, okay, okay. But I'm going to tell you something. This tells me that God knows where you live. That's what it says to me. God knows where you live. He is serious about where you're at. Why is he talking the way he talks? What purpose is there? He's sending an angel. Who cares about the rest? I do. And he does. And I believe without a doubt he's saying I know your house. I know where you live. So don't be messing up because I'm going to get you. No, that's not what God's saying. But what he's saying is, is, I know where you live. I know where you live. And he's saying it's the angel, Gabriel. And now we have the angel Gabriel standing for Mary. And he says this, in her room. And having come into the room, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What's it say? Blessed are you among women. The word blessed is not the term that we use blessed when we're usually thinking of blessing. But this is a different Greek word for bless. It literally means exceeding joy, exceeding happy. But it's, it's, it's translated blessed. On the other hand, there are other areas in Scripture where it says Jesus blessed them. It's not saying he made them exceeding happy. It was a speaking of a commandment of prophecy, a commandment of health, a commandment of prosperity. It was speaking with the expectation of something happening. That's not this word. But what's happened? Religion turns it into that word and says, she's such a blessed woman of God. No, she isn't. She's exceeding happy. I'm not making light of Mary. I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth of how religion manipulates and lies. Because now religion also says that Mary is the greatest among all women. No, it didn't say she was above all women. It says among women. Why are these words in there? Because God already knew what was going to happen, what religion would do with Mary. You might be thinking, oh, come on, man. That's a little tough on Mary. I'm not saying neg anything negative whatsoever about her. She is highly favored. She's awesome, period. But I'm not going to put her as deity or to worship her. And that's what some religions have done. And you can't find it in Scripture. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 11, I think, or 10 or back further in Luke, one woman screams out to Jesus, Blessed is the woman! That birthed you, blessed is her womb. And you know what Jesus said? He goes, no. Bless those that are hear my word and do it. There's a perfect time to say, yes, she was, and she should be highly favored above all women. But Jesus didn't. 
he actually disqualified everything she said. Now, where's religion in there now? That's the problem. Religion, honestly, please hear my words. It does not like the word. It does not like the word. And that's why when you go to these type of churches, you're not going to hear the word. You're going to hear religion, but not the truth. Denominations have issues with this. Why? Because a denomination is tied to specific beliefs that created the denomination in the first place. What does that mean? They have to major on their majors. They have to keep the denominational doctrine before everything. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm, saying, I'm not saying it's right in what they believe, but I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong in what they're doing. It's a, it's a denomination. It has to major on it. I went to a Assemblies of God college. Do you think they majored on Baptist doctrine? It's an Assemblies of God college. What did they major on? What created the Assemblies of God college, which, by the way, came from Baptists? They wanted to speak in tongues. The Baptists didn't. So then now you get the whole doctrine tied to their belief system. And that's what creates denominations. You guys all understand that, right? If you don't, well, now you do. And man has the ability to manipulate God's word for his specific beliefs. There are literally churches out there that are, that are operating in belief systems that tie to God as 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 doing what the devil does and blaming God for the devil's actions. That's what they believe. But scripture doesn't back it up. And I know most of the thoughts are, well, how could they believe it if they just should read the Bible? Does the Bible say that God doesn't tempt, test anyone? Guaranteeing turn on Christian TV and see it all the time. People up there, pastors, evangelists, teachers, saying God's testing you, God's tempting you. It's in the Bible. James says, don't even say that. But you, that's what I'm saying. Don't assume because the scripture's in there that everybody's got it. It, it doesn't work that way. It works by their doctrines demand them to be able to manipulate scripture the way they need to manipulate it. It's sad, but it's true. But what we want to do is we want to receive. We want to see this. God cares about you. And it's pinpointing that he is looking toward Mary and knows exactly where she is. Verse 29. When she heard, when she saw this and, and the angel there, it was troubling at what he was saying. And now she's considering what manner of greeting it was. I would too. An angel pops up in your room. <laughs> Mary. And then she, he starts proclaiming this over her life. You know, first and foremost, this woman's awesome in the first place because most of us would go, and we screamed with fear right out of the room going, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. But not Mary. She's like going, this is crazy talk. I don't get it. But the angel also recognized fear was operating. Now look at this. Verse 30. Then the angel said to her, don't be afraid. That's what God's always going to do. Don't ever think that the presence of God or God's actions are going to be tied to getting you scared. I don't think we heard that. Because I know many messages that love to get people scared. 
They think it motivates you to do good. I know parents will do that. You better do this or you're going to get beat. Right? I'm just saying. I didn't say that's what I say. I said that's what I've heard before. And that's called, you know, the, 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 the dad or mom, you know, trying to get you scared straight. And you all know that don't work, right? It can work for a moment of time, but that's it. I was telling the group Saturday, I said, I'm, I, there are times in the old days, you know, a few years back when you'd go to defensive driving to get rid of a ticket and they'd show you a movie that would scare you. And the movie would show wrecks and the pictures of those people in those wrecks mangled, arms off, different things and just decapitations. And after you're done with that class, you're like the greatest driver on planet Earth. I finished that class and I was so scared. And they said, most of it happens within two miles of your home. And I'm like going, oh my God. And I get in the car and I'm like driving speed limit. Not passing speed limit. I'm looking every point. I want to make a turn. I don't just use blinkers. I roll down the window and also use my arm. That's what that, but after a couple weeks, boom, what happened? Exactly. That stuff don't work, does it? No, that's why I'm not going to scare you. That's why I don't believe in that type of message because they ain't going to help you unless I want to show everybody a beautiful altar call and y'all coming down here because you think God's going to kill you later on. Don't let him kill me. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Oh, yeah, I could do that, but it would be a lie. It would be a misrepresentation. But you know why churches do it? They like the pictures. They like to promote themselves as anointed the anointing, look at all the people, they're broken. No, they're broken because you just scared them that God was gonna destroy their lives if they didn't get light. You think I'm playing? I'm telling you, this, I've been doing this too long. I know this stuff, and I know a lot of these churches that do it, and their doctrines back it. But guess what? I also, because I've been doing this long enough, I've seen the patterns of those people in those churches, and they don't have good walks at all. It's fake. They play the spiritual game, they're down. They play the spiritual game, they're down. Play, and I see it. I, for years I've seen it. It don't work. Why? Because it's fake. They're just as carnal as can be until they're up on the pulpit. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then after Sunday, they're like worse than the world. I'm not talking about you guys. Don't be freaking out right now. God, she's reading my mail. If that's you, don't worry. You'll grow out of it because your heart is, is let's get this thing going. All right. Amen. All right. Now let's keep going. Let's look at this. He says, don't be, don't be fearful. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Notice it. You'll conceive. You're going to conceive. Everybody say conceive. Okay. So what we're looking at now is, is the First thing we have to understand is there has to be conception. And we're looking at the story of who? Mary, right? So we're looking at Mary, and we're looking at a conception of a miracle. She's a virgin, correct? Okay, she's going to become pregnant. 
Is that a miracle or not? Okay, so the first thing we have to look at is there, there is the process of the conception. So how to conceive a miracle. So we're going to look at what did Mary do. What did Mary do to conceive a miracle? What do you need to do to conceive a miracle? Are you guys following me on this? All right. You are going to conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. It isn't going to be through Joseph. You're going to conceive. Are you hearing me? It's not the natural way. You're going to conceive and bear a son. I believe with all my heart that this is here for us to not only see God's prophetic word coming to pass, but also for us to understand that this is something that God wants to happen in our lives as well. And I can see it scripturally, by the way. But what we have is this. Look at it. You are going to conceive... What did Mary do? I look at two things that we have to, we have to pay attention to two things first. The two things I see, the two obstacles I see that we have to pay attention to, to a miracle to be able to be conceived in my heart, two obstacles take place. What are those two things? What did you see when we read that? Fear. And then it says, she thought to herself, reason. I believe that this is showing us that there are two obstacles to every miracle for your life. Fear and reason. And if you don't overcome fear and reason, you can't conceive. So we have to look at this and pay attention. Because what is the first thing the angel does? He says, don't be fear. Don't fear. Then he communicates what God's will is for her. And before that, she was reasoning in her head about the statements being made. Pay attention because who are we talking about? We're talking about the most pure woman on planet Earth. We're talking about a teenager, which that's Mary was, a teenager. She wasn't just some old woman, all right? A teenager. I can't put an age, you know, they, they talk about different ages, but all I know is she was a teen, all right? So this teenager that has a love for God is hearing God's word from an angel. I know a lot of people go, well, gosh, if an angel came to my room, I'd believe it too. You know what? Let me explain something to you about what the Bible teaches concerning angel. Angel is the Greek word angelos which means messenger, messenger, that's it, messenger. The Bible then goes on to talk about how we need to receive the message, which comes from messenger. Revelation talks about the angel of the church, the angel of church of Sardis, the angel of the church of Philadelphia, the angel of church at Ephesus, the angel, it talks about the angel of the church, which Greek word is messenger, which is pastor, the pastor of the church, the messenger of the church. So you don't need no angel, you got me. Uh, that, that just lined up perfectly. <laughs> the point is, is this. It's not the messenger that produced the miracle. It's the message. 
Amen. The message. We, y'all trying to make yourself an angel, and all people in need and, is the message. Forget the angel stuff. That's super spiritualism. That's religious guga. Everybody wants to look spiritual. They'll look, I'm floating in air. Now you can receive God's word. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now I want to do weird stuff. The point is, is this. It doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't matter how the package is. What matters is, is the message. Because what I'd rather see is a messed up person that's having God work in their lives, giving me a message of hope that someone's perfect that I can't reach to attain because they're too perfect. I've been through there, been there, done that, seen the religious, the ones where you look at the pastor and go, I can never do what he does. I can never be like him. I can never. Why? Because it's so spiritual, so spiritual. And then he communicates in a way that I can't understand it, which makes it more spiritual. It's so deep. I've had people, and usually it's the people that in my head I say this, but I've had people say, Pastor, we need, I need more meat. I need more meat. I mean, I don't, you're not feeding me more meat. And I'm in my head, I'm going, oh my gosh, you can't even handle a bottle. Because I know their lives. But it's the same thing. The spiritual that are truly mature, they're not walking around going, feed me more meat at all. They're not doing anything but I receive. Peter makes that clear by making a statement where he goes, he says this, I neglect not to remind you over and over and over of this present truth that you already know. That's what he said. See, when you get to the place where you're going, we gotta hear this again, you don't know it. What do you, th- you think the Bible's changed? Has the Bible been the same? You know how many years I've been studying it? I never walked in my office and go, Ephesians again. How many times have I read this, God? I mean, you just, it's just, uh, Ephesians again, God. Can it do, I need more meat. I need you to change the word, God. Now we laugh because it is silly, but pay attention, please, in your laughter. Now look at this. Mary had to believe to receive, right? Mary had to what? Believe to receive. Two obstacles. I don't know how this can happen. I'm scared of this. Listen, you're going to hear words from God specifically for you to where you're going to experience How could this be? The doctor said this. Uh Uh-oh, hello. Do I have any witnesses out there right now? The doctor said this. And then all of a sudden, God's word's saying this. The doctor said this. You can never have kids. Huh. I guess that's it. Or I carry a miracle. Pastor Law carries a miracle. Not for a week. It's about time, God. Not for a month. It's about time, God. Not for nine months. It's about time, God. Years. But finally, the miracle is birthed. Two of them. What's up with that? What's up with that? See, this is the issue. God's no respect of persons. We didn't receive a miracle because we're so special in the eyes of the Father. 
So how, how does this come to, come to realization for us? Well, first of all, you're going, well, Mary's told this and this. No, you know what Mary's told? A word that's already in the Bible. Hello? This is a picture for you and me. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. 725 years before this event takes place. How many years? 720. You don't have the ability to, you know, let's write this prophecy and we'll make it happen in a few more years. 725 years later, this prophecy, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The angel comes to Mary and speaks God's word over here. Understand this, for us today, the word was already spoken. This isn't a new word. This is already a spoken word. So what does that mean? That means anything in here is up for grabs. All the promises of God are yes and amen. If they were 1,000, 2,000, 3, it doesn't matter how long ago they're written, they belong to us. Amen? They belong to us. Praise God. See, the, one thing I understand is God's word must precede his miracles. That's what I see. God's word must precede his miracles. If we're waiting for a miracle, God's word precedes it. It, it comes before the miracle. God lays the foundation, and then the house is built. So what we have to realize is this isn't taking God by surprise. You know, it's not, you know, God knows exactly where Mary was. God sends the angel specifically to her. God speaks to us and says the same. God's not like Google Maps. Google Maps is sometimes really messed up. God doesn't have to update. He knows exactly what's going on in your house. Amen? Amen? All right. So God's word must precede miracles. That means what? What does that mean to you? The scripture said a virgin shall. See, it's not, could be, it is already mine. I have to understand this is mine. This is my miracle. It's in God's word. It belongs to me. You got to take ownership of it. Please take ownership of scripture for your life. Let's move right along. Matthew eleven twenty four says this. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. Is that what you guys read? Red letters? Okay, if you don't have the Bible open, I'm telling you it's red letter and it's Jesus. And he says this. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, translate it in the Greek. You ready for this? Because, see, the problem is this. There are six types of words for prayer, six different words for prayer. Translated, most of the time, all pray, 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 pray. Now, that would mean that every time I read the word pray, it means one thing, because it's pray, 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 right? Pray, pray, bow your head, pray. Or however, on your knees, pray, beg, and the word prayer is all, all, all through the New Testament and the Old. But the problem is, is there are different words, meaning there's different meanings to each type of prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says praying with all types of prayer. But again, we're not taught this. This isn't something taught in churches. 
We're just told to pray. Make sure you pray, pray, pray every day, pray, pray. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that in our communication, there are different ways we communicate to God. Just like there's different ways I communicate to you, different ways I communicate to my kids, different ways I communicate to my wife, different ways I communicate to my employees, different way we communicate to one another. And that makes what? Makes sense. Here, this scripture is so valuable because it's telling me when I pray, I believe, I receive, I'm going to have. But wait a minute, what type of prayer? And this is what gets people because they don't even know. Therefore, I say to you, whatever you things you ask with authority. <gasps> what? Aeteo. That's a Greek word. It is translated most of the time, demand. What are you going to do with that? Jesus is telling us anytime you come before God with an action of demand and authority. Now, right now, most Christians are freaking out. Why? Because you don't want to hear that. What are you going to demand God? I'm going to do what Jesus, my God, said to do. Why? Because there's nowhere that God is telling us to go up there with a cocky attitude and say, I'm telling you what to do. That's not at all what it's talking about. But what it is talking about is my relationship with the Father as his child. I understand rights that belong to me. And I don't go to my Father and go, I'll beg you, Lord. I beg you to feed me dinner. Please find me worthy to eat supper today. No, my kids go, well, when are we going to eat? I'm hungry. Can we eat now? Isn't that a little authoritative? How about demanding? Anybody have kids in here or you guys are all in la-la land? Have you ever heard your kids demand? Certainly they have. And have you ever said, get behind me, Satan? Get out of my house. You don't belong here. No, they're your kids. Now, if the neighbor kid did that, you're like going, shut up. You talking, demanding me. Go demand your own daddy. Are you guys hearing? Okay. So this is the, this is the Bible. Therefore, I say to you, whenever you go to God and you ask in authority, that means I know what I believe. You said, God, that you, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So I'm going to with that understanding of authority that I am. See, it's a different attitude, isn't it? Not back, you God, heal me. That prayer is not getting answered. Why? Because it's not even biblical. How can you ask for something you already have? Uh-oh, we're going to different areas. I know it's scary. See, this is the reasoning part. I don't get it. It's not about getting it. It's about receiving it. Getting comes through the process of it. Everything about life, everybody understands this, everything about life is the ABCs first and you build upon that. Correct? I told the group yesterday in my, in my um, life, life study, I said this, you think college is so important? You think high school is so important? You know what the most important school you ever had? Elementary. And they sort of looked at me like, what, you know? I knew they would. I was setting them up. Because all you, most of you are going to go and sit there and go, you're going to take college and, and a different, you know, trade school. And the problem is, is if you didn't learn to read, 
If you didn't learn to do one plus one equals two, if you didn't learn the English or Spanish or Russian or whatever language you speak in elementary school, if you didn't learn how to understand verbs and things like that, put sentences together, you ain't going to college, you ain't making it through high school. Which look at the high schools today, and guess what? Then they're having problems in there. Why? Because the foundation wasn't learned. I'm telling you right now, find, see, look at kids that have issues, and it has to do with reading fundamentals. The most important school is what? Elementary. Now, is that a fact? Would that be the same in Russia? Canada? Africa? Is it or not? Or do you believe you can just, you know, at five years old, you can go to college? Okay, do you believe this to be true? That means a natural principle. What does that mean? Spiritual truth. The most important thing you can understand is the ABCs of the gospel. If you can't get the ABCs of the gospel, you ain't graduating to the third heaven. You're not. And most Christians do not understand the ABCs of God, the ABCs of love, the ABCs of grace. They don't. We jump classes and we keep getting pushed to the next course, the next year. Why? Because we got to get you through the classes. You won't grow that way. If you have to stay in third grade for years, it doesn't matter. You're safer there. I can tell you right now, you're safer there than the fake university student that can't even add. I'm just throwing up truths, people. That's why you can see people that can become successful and they don't have a ton of degrees. Why? Elementary foundational operation in life. A degree doesn't make you connect with people. Knowing how to have a relationship with people, people connects you with people. Be my friend, I got a college degree. Listen, I'm not down on college or universities. or high school. I'm not down on anything. Education is the king. It's key. But what I'm saying is, is the foundation of success in everything is looking at the importance of the foundation. Okay? Never forget that. There's nothing wrong with these simple truths. And the Bible says, when you pray, when you ask, pray. That's prosukame in the prayer. That's that's. That in relationship to the translation of prayer is probably the most common word for prayer and literally means face-to-face. I like it because pros face-to-face, ukame is prayer with connection with relationship. So what the Bible's saying is when it comes to us in the time of prayer, it's close prayer. So that relationship is close relationship. Not far distant relationship, close relationship. God wants you to talk with him as Papa. Not as God, but as Papa. Do you understand? Connecting close, relationship, tight. That's why he said, come boldly into the throne room of grace. Isn't that awesome? Don't, he didn't say, stand outside, you no good, unrighteous person. He said, come boldly, come running, on the, jump on my lap. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Luke 8, 13, but the ones on the rock are those who hear the word and receive the word with joy. Now remember, Jesus said, this is the most important parable, spiritual truth you could ever get. 
This is the key. If you can't get this one, you can't get anything else. So he breaks down different grounds. This ground is the second ground after the hard ground. What he says this is very important to look at. It says, there are those that receive seed that are on rocky soil. And when they hear, receive the word with joy, but they don't have root. They believe for a while. Are you guys listening? And in time, fall away. You're hearing that. Now, what does that mean to us? We receive the word, we hear the word, and we're excited about the word. Yeah, pastor, good word. Thank God they are happy about it. But I want you to get past the emotionalism of receiving something. Because I'm going to tell you right now, how can you not be excited? How can you not be excited about this word? It's impossible. It's awesome, right? And so it does produce joy. And it produces excitement. And it does produce hope. It's supposed to. But what he's saying is this. I'm showing you a key to success. And when you receive the word and you're so excited and you have hope and you're going, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. He said, the reason why most people are going to fall away from that word is because they don't have root. They don't have foundation. And the root is the key to your maturity. See, the root keeps the sun from making you all shrivel up. The root keeps you firm when the rain pours and starts washing away. The root keeps you sturdy when the winds are blowing and knocking things around. The root is the key. Are you understanding? And so what he's saying is, is your life, to be able to experience success, you have to understand that you can't just hear the word and get excited about it. you got to hear the word and get it to the heart. And that's the key. It's got to get into the heart. The heart is the key. Are you guys hearing me? So we've got to receive the word, and we've got to allow the word to get down into our lives. Um, Matthew 13, 20 says this. He who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, immediately receives a joy, yet he has no root. There's no root and endures only for a while. For when tribulation, persecution arise because of the word. Because of what? The word. I remember when I told some people I was going to start tithing. They said, you're crazy. All they want is your money. And I go, how do you know? You don't even go to church. <laughs> that people are going to trample God's word. People love to trample God's word. That's why you need to be very cautious in who you're talking to when you're talking about your heart. Because we don't even have to talk about God's word. We, let's talk about life. Do you not have to watch who you're around and who you're talking to when it's about your life? I've, I, I've been where you, you're talking with someone, they're talking about their dreams, and then a couple other people walk around, they're listening, and, and, and in the midst of the conversation, that person's just sharing, going, this is what I believe, and all of a sudden, another person goes, yeah, but do you think that's, that, that can happen? And another person will go, I don't know if you, you, 
I don't know if this would be the right timing. And all of a sudden, you can see a deflating in. What was exciting, too, talking to someone that could stand there and go, let's do it. Let's do it. You, you can do this. And I've seen it happen. I've seen pastors do it to other pastors. You would not believe how sad that looks. Nature of people, nature of man, it's ugly, amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Remember, the Bible says, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear. Amen? What you hear and how you hear. So you gotta be careful on the, the, the words that you're listening to, especially when we're talking about a miracle, all right? Y'all got this? It's very important. So to conceive, we have to understand that we have to believe and receive. The second thing is carrying the miracle. Carrying the miracle is the in-between part. That's when you've received it, you got this miracle in you, now it's time to carry it. Everybody's wanting the wand being waved. Wait a minute, I want a miracle right now. And that's what we're doing. Now, get it, boom, done, okay. We don't have to have faith, we don't have to have believe, we don't have to have anything, just we have to have a magical God. That's like a, you know, fairy. So we have to carry the miracle. Galatians 6, 9 says this. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, everybody say due season. In due season. We what? We shall reap if we faint not. What is there? A due season. Hebrews 6, 12 says, imitate those who through faith and assurance? No. Through faith and patience. Patience. They receive the promises of God. How? Through faith and time periods. Time periods. I know these aren't really popular things to hear, but ultimately, don't you want to hear that you can have? I, I mean, I understand that you've created atmospheres of got to have it now. But ultimately, when it comes down to the Father and his word and what he has for me, I'm okay with the season as long as I know that it's going to take place. So it doesn't matter. I got to believe. I know it's tough and I know that there's going to be pressures, but you don't think that happened in Mary too? I mean, think about it. God's speaking this word. You know what the first thing Mary did? And this is what we need to do. Mary hears the word of God. God speaks to Mary and said, this is what's going to happen. And by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, it's, this is, she just got pregnant. She's been six months pregnant. Mary's like going, that a woman? I mean, no, she's saying, really? No, because that's a miracle in, in what's taking place in her life. She's old. She's past the age of carrying children. And God gives her John the Baptist. Carrying the child, what is Mary's first response? I want to go to another miracle carrier. I need to get around another miracle carrier. So what does she do? She runs to, not runs, but she gets to her cousin, Elizabeth, and hangs out with her for three months. You know what they do? Read the story. They just build each other up. That's what they do. They build each other up. See, when you're receiving, conceiving a miracle, you believe it, you receive it. Now you got to get around people that are the same way. Because if you don't, you're going to get around people that want to abort. 
They want to kill, steal, and destroy. Hey, I understand that there's going to be naysayers. I understand that there's going to be negative people. But what I'm saying is, is people that are speaking to your life, you need to be cautious, careful. Scripture is very clear. Bad company corrupts. Not sometimes, maybe, all the time. So if you're going to allow bad company to connect with you, you're going to be corrupted. I see good Christians, you know, they just, they, they're doing things where God, all of a sudden they get around a bad negative Christian. And that negative Christian has a fruit of it, but some Christians become dumb and don't look at fruit. And all of a sudden they start listening and listening and listening. And they become what? Exactly what God said would happen. They become corrupted. And what's the next stage? The action of corruption. And what is that? The exact corruption in the other person. Everything reproduces after its own kind. Please don't look guilty. We've all been guilty, all right? Don't feel condemned. Don't, this, ain't, this ain't about that. It's about revelation of truth. At least I can look in and go, been there, done that. I ain't gonna do that no more. I'm not going to. I don't wanna be there. I don't wanna be involved in that. That's all you do. You don't sit there and go, oh, that was me. I'm such a loser. You know, that's what the devil wants you to do. Quit it. Move on. Success is yours. All right? God ain't holding against you. I'm not either. Let's move on. Amen? So she runs to Mary, and I mean, runs to Elizabeth on the in between. That's in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. And Mary rose those days, went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. With what? Haste to the city of Judah. She entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting, Mary, babe, John the Baptist leaps in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit instantly. Then she spoke out with a loud voice. Elizabeth spoke out, blessed are you among women women. She's saying, happy, exceeding joyful you are among women. Are you hearing me? Exceeding joyful and happy is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Ooh. Is that awesome? Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Powerful words. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your friend walks into your room and goes, hey, just once you know, I'm pregnant. You're like going, I thought you were a virgin. Yeah, I was. Well, who's the guide? The Lord. The Holy Spirit came upon me. Now, how many people are going to go, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> honestly, do you honestly believe that Mary's like going through, you know, Bethlehem and everything? Hey, Holy Spirit, me and the Holy Spirit. Carrying his child, God's child, by the way. Joseph, we haven't done nothing yet. We're not even in that stage. Now, uh, listen. Mary is not God. She's not Jesus. She 
she's Mary. She was about to get married to Joseph, which she still does, and has other kids. The point is, is this. My Lord and Savior was tempted and went through all kinds of hell, but he did not fall and he did not sin. Mary, on the other hand, is not Jesus. He's, she's not our Lord and Savior, and she's not sinless. So you can't tell me that this thing that's carrying inside her, that miracle, is something simple. No, there's a battle. There's a fight going on. Think about it. Moms, do you experience instantly that you're pregnant when you conceive? It takes a little time, right? So she gathers herself around other miracle carriers. Amen? The next thing she does is she magnifies God. She speaks out and says, my soul magnifies the Lord. The Greek word magnify is just what we get a word, magnify. And what it does, it says that we create larger, we make bigger in our vision. We create bigger, we make larger. See, everything we do in life and our choices are going to get magnified in the one we choose. Good, bad, it doesn't matter. But either way, every choice we make becomes magnified. What does that mean? It means our vision and our focus becomes entirely on that. That means it magnifies. It becomes bigger. Everything you deal with life, whatever it is, you determine this a priority, what happens? It magnifies. Correct or not? Is this true? Exactly. So what she says is this. I will magnify the Lord. So circumstances and situations are going to come her way. But what does she do? She magnifies the Lord. When you're dealing with issues as you're carrying your miracle, you got to magnify God because there's going to be a lot of voices, a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances. I remember when I've had to deal with issues in my body and the doctors say, well, and I had to magnify the Lord. I didn't do it right in front of the doctor. I let him say his piece, but I walked out and magnified the Lord and goes, no, I will hear and I will hear perfectly. That was after the specialist said that I'll lose 80% of my hearing. What? How'd that happen? A softball, line drive shot, bam, right in this ear. Knocked me completely off the ground, bam. The guy was a Hulk. And I'm talking about, I was on second base Right when I saw that ball leave, I left early. Softball, you're not supposed to. And I started running third base, and that ball line shot drove him. Bam! Just demolished my eardrum, totally. And when they took me in the emergency, my whole face was all swollen up, and I, I, I couldn't hear anything. I was just, it was, it was ugly, ugly. And I'm in the emergency room, and they're, they're trying to work it, and, 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 and get me at a comfort level and, and doing everything they can and shoot me up drugs and everything. And so they couldn't do anything until all the swelling went down. So I had to come back after three days, I think it was three days, and went back in, and they had a specialist there to, to look. And it was all bandaged up and everything. And so he looks in there and he goes, 
we got problems here. He, he's saying, I can do reconstructive surgery, but, I, you know, you're not going to have 80% of your hair. I go, what? I'm, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> this is a true story. I just felt like you need a little relief right now. What? So, so this is the truth. I mean, it's, and you walk out and see, I've been having people praying for me, standing in faith. I'm speaking God's word over my, my ear. I can't do that. I'm, I was young. I'm a youth pastor. I'm impacting lives. I, gotta be, I can't just walk around going the right side, you know? And so I'm standing in faith. They, 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 I have this big old thing on my head. And he says, okay, after, I think it, it ended after a week. And he said, I, I, I want you to come in and we're going to, we'll see exactly where we're at with this thing. So I'm standing in faith. I got the word of God speaking. He heals my wounds, restores health to me. I mean, I'm pumping this stuff up, but I'm believing what I'm saying because it was the time period of faith that I was in where I already saw God heal me of allergies, completely of allergies. I mean, I had allergies that were terrible. My eyes would swell up and everything. I was working in California and the spring would come and oh my gosh, it was terrible. On the way to Oklahoma, I'm saying, Father, it's just a flowery there. I can't have this. I'm standing in faith from this point on. When I get there, I will not have allergies. Guess what? I didn't have allergies. I haven't had allergies since. Since then, no allergies. For years, I had allergies. I had to buy every allergy medicine, everything, just to keep it pumped in my face and snot and drainage and always. It was so bad. Totally healed, completely healed. And now I have an eardrum. Now I have an eardrum problem, so I'm speaking God's word, and I still have this thing, and I go in there, and the specialist pulls off that thing, sticks it in there, looks at the chart, puts it in there, looks at the chart. He goes, it's a miracle. He goes, you have a perfect eardrum. He goes, I see a tiny speck of blood on it, but it's a perfect eardrum. Thank you, Jesus, for his word. But it was a fight. It was a warfare. But I can continue on. I can tell you story after story. Broken bones, different things that I've had to battle over my life as a, as a believer. Early on, it was rougher. It becomes a little easier because of where I'm at. But it's never simple. Never. There's always a battle, always a warfare, always a pressure. This area I might be strong in, another area I might be crumbling. But you know what? I still got to believe his word. So I got to shore up the area I'm weak in. Yes, some areas I'm a little bit antsy at. Some areas I'm super strong, I'm like Superman in areas. Other areas I'm like Minnie Mouse. But I got to strengthen those areas. I can, amen? So we got to understand there was a fight. There was a warfare. Guess what? Nine months in her pregnancy. Nine months in her pregnancy. What does she have to do? Walk 90 miles or on a donkey for 90 miles. See, the third thing we have to understand is this. The miracle isn't usually going to come the way you think it should arrive. How did her miracle come? How was it delivered? In a cave? 
We like the little wooden place and all the pretty. It's not, it was a cave. We like the manger. We don't know what it is, but it sounds pretty, but it's actually feeding trough. We like the swaddling coals, but it sounds so, it's gotta have little Disney characters, but no, it's actually strips of cloth. Just strips of cloth that they just wrapped around kids, and usually it was used to move dead people out of the road because they couldn't touch dead people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know what else the story says? She wrapped him. She, she was by herself with Joseph delivering that baby. How many of you ladies after delivery are doing what she did? Yeah, I know. Don't even think about it, huh? But that's what she did. But see, the delivery of a miracle wasn't as clean as you thought it was going to be. Because eight days later, she has to leave again. She has to go on an eight-mile trek to Jerusalem. This is after having a miracle. You think everything's simple, easy, everything's smooth, clean, but it's not. She's got a miracle, but the point is, is it hasn't been as you know, comfy. You don't have, you know, the we don't have the Hilton hotel room and and all kinds of maids around and everybody just pampering you and and you stay away from church for sixty days, you know, and and and, and all this concept of delivering a baby, it ain't happening. You know, what's interesting is Simeon the prophet shows up and he talks about Jesus, prophesies over his life. And you know what he does? He turns to Mary and says, "A sword will pierce your heart." just got a miracle and you're talking this prophet what's wrong with you we've got to quit trying to dictate the picture but let's allow the delivery to happen we've got to conceive we got to carry and we got to deliver and that's what we need to understand is God's word to you this morning his miracle is needed in your life and we need to start carrying these miracles for the world to see. Because did we not see Mary's miracle? Merry Christmas. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.